Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas on News Radio 1080 KRLD. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. News Radio 1080 KRLD celebrates and recognizes Hispanic Heritage Month uh, and all of the impacts that not only are Latinos making here, but that our community is doing to uplift and support Latinos. And joining us today is Emily Williams Knight with the Texas Restaurant Association. And uh, you guys are doing something very special. Yeah, you know, this is such a great month for us because across Texas and every corner of our incredible state, we have a lot of authentic food and a lot of businesses that have been formed here now by our Hispanic community. And so this is a month where we try as the industry really to step up and encourage people. It doesn't matter if you're in Lubbock or San Angelo or Dallas to venture out. We actually published a list of restaurants that we encourage people to visit to really support those operators, especially for them coming out of the pandemic. A lot of them are small, independent restaurants. They have incredible cuisine. And our job is really to make sure that the public knows about them this month and then eats at them forever. Is there a misunderstanding or a misconception that Hispanic business owners are only owning restaurants that serve their traditional type of food? Yeah, I think so. And we have plenty of people that go into business that say, um, believe it or not, we. I just met someone who is has an Italian restaurant in Austin and um, Hispanic came over from Mexico, but actually is figuring out how to infuse those, which is fascinating, right? To kind of take their culture and, and actually mix it with another type of food. Um, but I think there is, it's also that every Hispanic restaurant is Mexican food or Tex-Mex and that's also not the case. And so the variety that you can find over all sorts of cuisine from tapas to tacos is really, I think is what makes this month so special. It's also educating people that it's not just drive through tacos or sit down and have an enchilada covered in a sauce that you can really go from very authentic up to sort of mass made. Uh, but to support those business owners, frankly, that have that Hispanic heritage is so critical this month. Um, it really is an important month across the state. You said you guys had made a list. I could only like instantly imagine like Santa Claus list. Like it just runs down, <laughs> it runs down all the way down the street when you roll it out. It does. How it does. important is, uh, are the Latino ran businesses here for, um, your association for the Texas economy, how big of an impact do they have? Yeah, it's significant. And I'll tell you, we really learned a lesson in the pandemic around this particular group of restaurant owners and their employees, because many of them are really small independents. So think of your taqueria up to a single unit. 
And when the pandemic hit, there was so much that nobody understood how to get a loan, how to get PPP, how to get the restaurant. And a lot of them didn't have a banking relationship that allowed them to sort of participate in that process. So we built a lot of connections with different Hispanic chambers, different organizations to try to get the word out and then help these business owners get that access to, to, to resources. And so for us, the pandemic really allowed the association to lean in and form a much tighter partnership with these group of operators and owners, because they're also in a lot of small communities across Texas. They're in a lot of places where they may even be the only first or second restaurant, or they're downtown running a major operation. And so there is a little bit of a misunderstanding. And I think we've been able to help identify the needs they have, but also how we tell the rest of Texas, not only about the cuisine, but about these people that are the heart of the house of these restaurants. So what are the lessons learned by those business owners from the pandemic? Yeah, I think, well, one, I would say humbly, right, be part of your association, because one of the things that we did, the Employee Retention retention Tax Credit, or ERTC, that you hear about every single day, we had a very low participation rate of restaurants, and essentially, it's almost $26,000 per employee, and you have a number of years to recover those funds, so to me, it's almost free money, and because it it won't run out the way it was actually signed into law federally, we found a partner and so we did a lot of vetting and as an association found a partner and then allowed those restaurants to connect with them so say it's a vetted partner in some cases they speak spanish in other cases they actually have other restaurants they help them with but i think it's trust in that community which is so important and so we were able to bring in a banking partner for ppp so those very small restaurants could have someone walk them through how to get the paperwork out. And then the larger restaurants, interesting enough, the collaboration between them and smaller Hispanic restaurants is incredible to watch. And so it really is a community. But we have had to step in as an association to really make those links and help the smaller restaurants get access to bigger funds and money. I love that education factor that the association provides. Because when I think of some of my favorite hole-in-the-wall places... Um, a lot of them have an immigrant story attached to it's them incredible. and, you know, they might have had, you know, a, a, you know, a storefront, a restaurant back home. And now they're yeah. trying to make a living, you know, create recreating that here. But they have to learn the, the rules and the laws and, and the funding and all of that. And that's that's a pretty Goliath task, you know, and um, I think that's so that's really a, a, a huge thing that people maybe don't always take away from the association is you guys are really advocates to these entrepreneurs. Absolutely. We, we our tagline is we are your voice. And so a single restaurant screaming for help on a corner is not going to find help. But if we aggregate all these voices, whether it be at the legislature or at the city level, town, community level, um, we can get them the support and also think it's around compliance it's, it's around understanding what you can and can't do before you were to do something that seemed right, but it's not allowed. Um, and also connecting these operators with each other. So how do we connect these local restaurants? So you are short a dishwasher. Can you borrow someone that night? You need to put food in a freezer because you overordered. And so it's also a way to connect, especially up in Dallas, connect restaurants to each other to have a network. And listen, the, the, the environment we're living in right now, two and a half years, these people need each other and they need us to keep kind of guiding the path forward. Did that community really come out during the pandemic that you weren't necessarily competitors, but you were all in the same boat? Absolutely. I would say it's why we all do the work we do here because restaurant people in general, they're small business owners. 
but they care deeply about the communities they serve. They want to create a memory for those coming in the door or now taking their food away. And we all were stopped in our tracks with COVID. And so we only had about 30, maybe 35% of restaurants that could operate the day after we were shut down. So the rest had no way to generate money. And so what you saw was people collaborating together, doing meal kits, sharing information, telling people when you know job lines were open, when the PPP first round happened, all of those things happened. And we saw competitors really just put down any type of competition element and really work together. And I also know for the Hispanic community in particular, and I do a lot of work in San Antonio, it was just an unbelievable amount of support and love that the community then gave these restaurants. And I think that is just, that's what restaurant owners instill, right? People want to help local restaurants. That's exactly what I also wanted to touch on with, with Latinos being the minority majority now, how important was the Latino buying power with supporting um, these restaurants during their time of need? Huge. I mean, honestly, it's so important. And I think what you what we found is if we look at certain communities, really what got the restaurant through was that community, maybe even if they didn't have the resources, they were leaning in to help that restaurant because that local restaurant supports the baseball team, the hockey team. They're the first to do a fundraiser Um, in the ice storms. We've had what, two back to back years, one more significant than the other. Well, we had hospitals across the state that couldn't eat without our our restaurants um, all across San Antonio in particular, because it was really you know, it was cold up here in Dallas, but they're really not ready for it down there. And so I think that the buying power is significant, but also the education that they can provide on the type of cuisine that they brought to Texas so long ago and why people need to venture out. And I think that's really the lesson. And I also say safety. There was a lot of concern in the Hispanic community about COVID and about getting back out there and about putting themselves in front of people. And so, you know, in some cases, not to generalize, but they had some of the best creativity of margaritas to go and I'll just go to to go until I feel it's safe for my staff. You know, I I don't want to risk my health. And so you saw them really innovate um, without losing that kind of authenticity that makes some of them so special. You talk about the fact that there are so many restaurants in smaller communities where they might be one or two restaurants do you find those small communities are also there to help the hispanic owned businesses in their small towns as well such a good question absolutely and i think is is we just had a meeting on food security in texas so i think that one of the big realities that um i think we all learned a lesson on is when you close restaurants you sometimes don't have access to food in parts of texas because they have one single grocery store or the grocery store is in a community down the road. And once those store shelves are empty, the only place that's getting food is that restaurant. And so I think what we've learned is we're working on, we'll see how it kind of evolves, but as we're starting, which is hard to imagine the next legislative session in a couple of months, we are trying to figure out how do we take that infrastructure of these restaurants that have a physical footprint all across Texas and integrate them into food security. So how can we as restaurants play a role in those communities? How can those small operators get access to funds to help feed people maybe that don't have access or have limited funds? What what is that? I mean, I think we've just learned that we have this 50,000, you know, restaurants, physical buildings essentially across Texas. How are we making sure that everyone has access to good, nutritious food and an authentic experience? Um, So I think that's going to be something you'll have to watch these next, you know, six months to see how this evolves out. Um, one last question that I was curious about. Uh, we talk about the ties here within the state, but um, how strong do Latino uh, eateries 
create um, a relationship with international trade and and putting Texas on the map for bringing in certain types of spices and foods um, yes. to be able to serve here. Yeah, you know what? We had the uh, Texas restaurant show was in Dallas this year. And I would just say it, I think it was our best show yet. 5,000 plus people, 500 exhibitors. We have moved towards having something called an international pavilion. And the international pavilion is a way for us to get it. it this, this year it was um, Italy and several countries in Latin America and have those folks come up and introduce their spices, their different types of meat curated meats new ways of doing things. And, and my vision really long-term is that that restaurant show becomes a very inclusive global place, right? For trade and commerce and food service and to allow smaller businesses to not, not only see like, for example, here, Mexico as our neighboring partner, but then what is it that we could learn from them and what can they learn from us when it comes to cuisine and of course beverages. Um, and I think that's, you're going to see more of this, right? More, we had an, a giant Italian separate to the Hispanic community. They came in and it was mozzarella cheese and wine and olives. And, you know, here's what you can cook with them. Here's how you can do it differently. And it's the same thing. I, I truly believe I did a lot of work in Mexico before I started here. And I just feel like, I mean, they're right there. <laughs> and so how do we do more, right? I want to start travel with the TRA and I want to start going to the regions of the world and bringing just citizens to come learn about like Oaxaca and their spices or tequila and harvest a tequila plant to production. I just think those are some of the things that we can do to help educate and then bring awareness to the global food system that we all live in. Dr. Emily Williams-Knight is the CEO of the Texas Restaurant Association on Ask the Expert. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 